Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They also do a terrific job. They take care of our air conditioning. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. And when you check out the website, uh, sign up for On the Town, a weekly email that you'll receive telling you about the highlights of some of the great things that are going on on the Paradise Coast, naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo. She is our state senator and Senate Majority Leader. We'll find out about the last week of the legislative session. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. And Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Uh, we'll visit with Seton as well. It is March the 10th and on this day in 1876. This is amazing to me. Only 144 years ago, the first discernible speech was transmitted over a telephone system when inventor Alexander Graham Bell summoned his assistant to another room by saying, Mr. Watson, come here. I want you. Bell had received a comprehensive telephone patent just three days before. Oh, the importance of patent law. Alexander Graham Bell was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. In 1847, was the son of Alexander Melville Bell, a leading authority in public speaking and speech uh, correction. The young Bell was trained to take over the family business. While still a teenager, he became a voice teacher and began to experiment in sound. In 1870, his family moved to Ontario, Canada, and in 1871, Bell went to Boston to demonstrate his father's method of teaching speech to the deaf. The next year, he opened his own school in Boston for training teachers of the deaf, and in 1873 became a professor of vocal physiology at Boston University. In his free time, Bell experimented with sound waves and became convinced that it would be possible to transmit speech over a telegraph-like system. He enlisted the aid of a gift mechanic, gifted mechanic, Thomas Watson, and together the two spent countless nights trying to convert Bell's ideas into practical form. In 1875, while working on his multiple harmonic telegraph, Bell developed the basic ideas for the telephone. He designed a device to transmit speech vibrations electrically electrically uh, between two receivers and in June 1875 tested his invention. No intelligible words were transmitted, but sounds resembling human speech were heard at the receiving end. On February the 14th, 1876, he filed a U.S. patent application for his telephone. Just a few hours later, another American inventor, Elisha Gray, uh, filed a caveat with the U.S. Patent Office about his intent to seek a similar patent on a telephone transmitter and receiver. Bell filed first, so on March the 7th, he was awarded the U.S. Patent 174465, which granted him the ownership both over his telephone and instruments and the concept of the telephone system itself. And then again, three days later, on March the 10th, uh, 144 years ago, Bell successfully tested his phone for the first time in his Boston home. He ended up uh, dying... Uh, he actually worked with Helen Keller. He had a very, very, he was very philanthropic. He died in 1922 at his summer home and laboratory on Cap, Cape Breton Island in Canada. 
Well, you know the story, but the U.S. markets, equity markets tumbled Monday after an oil price war broke out between Saudi Arabia and Russia. And amid new cases of coronavirus, especially in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down over 2,000 points, coming back from a point drop of more than 2,150, or 8.2%. That's amazing. As session lows while the S&P 500 and NASDAQ composite were lower by 7.9% and 7.2% respectively, the drop is now the worst one-day point drop decline ever for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The stock market's steep slide comes after production dispute between OPEC members led by Saudi Arabia and Russia sent West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, the U.S. benchmark, plunging as much as 33% just in one day, the most since the outbreak of the 1991 Persian Gulf War, to a low of $27.34 a barrel. Now it's up, I think it's up over $34 a barrel right now as we speak. Oil majors, including ExxonMobil, Chevron, and BP, were sharply lower, as were service providers Halliburton and Schlumberger. Elsewhere, travel-related names uh, remained under pressure. As you can imagine, after Dr. Fauci, director of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, warned Americans with underlying conditions not to take long plane trips or cruises due to the coronavirus outbreak. Dreadmakers were working on a treatment for COVID-19, including Inovio Pharmaceuticals and Biochrist Pharmaceuticals. They opened sharply higher before turning lower. Treasuries uh, were uh, up in value, their yields down. Uh, <clears throat> the expectation for oversized rate cut is putting pressure on financials, which typically can make 50 to 75% uh, of their. So, in other words, the, uh, the Fed is considering lowering the key interest rate uh, between 0 and 25 basis points, which again will put pressure on financial institutions because they have no spread to work with when they loan money. Uh, Contrary to popular opinion among some academics, stocks do not move randomly. The stock market's price systems gauge millions of investors' guesses for what the economy will look like in 6 to 12 months. Then it adjusts prices accordingly. Investors make probabilistic assessment and then change it every day. And when the market is recognizing right now is a massive rise in uncertainty about the strength of the global economy and corporate earnings in the near future, so prices take a big hit. In this volatile environment, there's a flurry of activity with traders moving in and out of positions to capture profits and losses. So, the proper response for government to do all of this, bailouts, more market controls, negative interest rates, absolutely not. The correct answer is the government should just stay out of it. Stocks have benefited from a decade-long bull market. One that was due for a correction with so much recent uncertainty, investors sold off some of their gains. Despite rampant coronavirus fears, fed to us by our incompetent national media, government doesn't need to intervene further in markets. Prices will find their level and adjust to reality. That's why they work, and uh, we should just stay out of it. The great Arthur Laffer former advisor to President Ronald Reagan and the man many consider to be the godfather of supply-side economics, has this sage advice to those worrying about the stock market. He said, when people make decisions when they're panicked or drunk, the consequences are rarely attractive, he told, he said uh, to uh, Stuart Varney. This is why I'm worried about now the, that the government will try to do something rash in times like this, that free markets are the single most important thing you can do is just let them ride. 
Laffer should know his advance, he advice to uh, Ronald Reagan during 1987 uh, market crash when the Dow plunged 23% in one day. I remember that day so well. He's, and he summed it up by a joke. Don't just stand there, undo something. Great comment by Art Laffer. Um, what he meant was then and now is government should try to ease rules that interfere with financial market prices and keep businesses and entrepreneurs from innovating and creating and avoid phony, feel-good, Keynesian stimulus plans that do nothing but transfer more money from the private sector to the government. He says we should stay away from that. If we do anything, he said, we should declare a tax holiday for a few months or longer, in effect a tax cut, give taxpayers their own money back, and that's exactly what they're considering right now in Congress. Uh, the president's recommending a payroll tax cut. Uh, Democrats are getting together. They are going to come up with their own ideas, but hopefully they won't intervene in a free market. They should allow the intelligence and the chaos of the market to decide how these things will go. Free markets work far better at fixing things than government intervention, and that includes the stock market. By the way, the world's 500 richest lost a combined $203 billion through the first 96 minutes of trading in the United States. That's the biggest daily plunge since the index began tracking the number in 2016. 500 richest people lost in 96 minutes $203 billion. That's a big drop. That's a lot of tamales. While 85% of the people on Bloomberg's wealth list ranking uh, were nursing losses. There were some winners, including the Walton family, as investors seeking safe havens boosted shares to the retailer Walmart. I think Costco has had a, had some a good day as well. So, as I mentioned, both houses of, of Congress are trying to craft some legislation aimed at stemming the economic fallout from the coronavirus outbreak, including possible tax cuts and expanded unemployment benefits. Uh, House Nancy uh, Speaker House Nancy Pelosi's plans to meet with top Democrats today and, uh, and began drawing up a response to the economic disruption. Hopefully, there won't be too much interference with uh, government plans. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is naplesillustrated.com coming up we're going to visit with kathleen pasadomo our state senator and senate majority leader that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network stay tuned for more of the bob harden show here on the bob harden broadcasting network I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner 
Open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Golf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents the Florida premiere of a laugh-out-loud comedy, The Lady Demands Satisfaction, running from February the 15th through March the 15th, with preview performances on February the 13th and 14th. Directed by Broadway star and Gulf Shore Playhouse Associate Artistic Director Jeffrey Bender, The Lady Demands Satisfaction tells the comedic tale of hapless heiress Troth as she comes of age. After the untimely death of her noble father, Troth learns that she could lose her inheritance if someone beats her in a duel. The only problem? Troth has never laid so much as a finger on a sword. Her domineering aunt, clever servants, bumbling lawyer, and Prussian swordmaster all add to the chaos and mayhem in this hilarious, swashbuckling spoof of 18th century nobility. Tickets are selling fast and are available now. Single tickets for the Lady Demand Satisfaction start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Uh, the last few days of the Lady Demand Satisfaction is running now. It is funny, and you can get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senator and Senate majority leader, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. I think this is you're getting close to the end here, aren't you, for the uh, legislative session? Uh, yeah, This well... <laughs> This is supposed to be our last week. Um, we're supposed to conclude on Friday, but that's not going to happen because we still have not um, finalized the budget. We're very, very close. Uh, we spent the weekend in conference uh, getting as much done between the, the, the uh, subcommittees, uh, and uh, now the uh, appropriations chairs and the House and the Senate are meeting to final to try to get to the a final place before they bump it up to the president and speaker. And, uh, and then, you know, we have a 72 hour period between when that's done and the, and the budget's printed and everything before we can vote on it. So I think we're probably going to get it. Uh, the president and speaker probably finish up their work, uh, next day or two, and we'll get it, uh, printed up and on everybody's desk on Friday, which means, we won't be able to vote till Monday, but if that gets delayed, uh, we couldn't we, we ha- couldn't vote on Tuesday because every all the Democrats have to go back to their districts for uh, primary. Ah. <laughs> so it's just very complicated. But you know we'll get it done. So is, was there a delay of some sort of some sort of surprise? I think things were on kind of on uh, schedule here yeah, last week. It was just um, a delay in timing for allocations. Um, you know, at the end of the session, there's always a little tense, and the president and speaker were uh, were were not uh, not quite on board 
for it, it, for one figure for each budget silo, and that took a while. Meanwhile, we're going and passing, you know, legislation, and some of that is tied to budget. So, you know, that happens every year. Sometimes earlier, uh, uh, some years it's later, but we're we're going to get there. And and you know, now of course with, with the uh, COVID nineteen uh, issue. There's just so much going on up here. Oh, absolutely. I wanted to ask you about that because, uh, of course, the markets just really melted down yesterday. And oh, yeah. uh, from not only the uh, oil situation between Russia and uh, uh, Iran, was it Russia and Iran? Or no, Saudi Arabia. But the, uh, what's, uh, what is the legislative body right now looking at in terms of the COVID-19 well, our our role at this point is to make sure we have enough funding for um, whatever may come our way. So that's one of the discussions. I think we the governor asked for twenty five million in the budget, and we're doing that. Um, but it was a little odd yesterday because apparently a number of House members were at some conferences over the weekend, and um, they determined that there were some some of the other attendees, at least one in each conference um, <coughs> was uh, tested positive. Hmm. So there, So yesterday they, they uh, suspended, and then they wiped down the entire house. <laughs> I mean, the, the chamber, the house chamber. Wow. They, they came in in, in, like, those hazmat suits and whatever, and that was uh, kind of crazy. And <laughs> yeah. um, so the house members were wandering the Capitol. And so we just don't know whether somebody... Um, uh, may uh, may have have some kind of issue and and then of course we're talking about what happened some of them you know that Ted Cruz was at that conference and he's in self um quarantine self quarantine and Matt Gates was at the conference and he was on Air Force 1 with the president I mean it's just all this um so we'll see what happens I, I, hopefully nothing but, yeah it, you know it's just everybody's uneasy Everybody is uneasy. It's so ironic to me, though, that we're going to lost twenty thousand citizens to the flu, influenza, this uh, in this past year, and uh, what about nineteen or twenty people nationwide to uh, the COVID nineteen, and yet the the panic sets in. I guess it's primarily because we just don't know how bad it can get. That's that's right. At least in the flu, you you know everybody kind of knows what it is. We uh, you can test for it through just nose swabs and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and with COVID-19, the test that you do for the flu uh, is different, and they don't have enough kits yet, I guess. But, uh, you know, everybody's moving at lightning speed to uh, to be able to address this. And, and, I, and I think the media is not being very helpful, and it, it's a little troubling that, I mean, that is... Uh, that's all they're talking about. I know. Well, you know the, and, I think the trend... CNBC, and then it's the stock market. Right. Well, and uh, I think it's being weaponized too. Uh, this is right. the you know <laughs> they're just the Democrats are I looking. Know. What can they find? Any kind of chink in the armor at all for President Donald Trump? And this exactly. this might be their it, blessing from God is the coronavirus in the United States for the Democrat Party. Well, I, I hope that's not what the, their underlying thoughts are, um, but. You know, we, we just have to, you know, address that, yeah. or whatever it is, and, uh, you know, move on. I mean, we're still, we're still passing legislation, and 
and doing, you know, a lot of good things. Like one of the things that they agreed on, we are not going to raid Sadowski. That's huge. I mean, I've been talking about that for years. We are going to leave that intact. We're, we, some of the things we finally talked about, $100 million for Florida Forever. Last year we were at 30. So that is the key. And, you know, teacher uh, pay raises are going to happen. Government uh, workers, 3% pay raise. They haven't had a pay raise in like 10 years. Wow. So these are some of these big issues that are really important, and we're focusing on those right now. And, and so I feel, I feel like we're, even though it's kind of a little rocky, and it, you know, at the end, we're going to get there and do some really good things. Yeah, great. Well, again, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, just genuinely appreciate uh, the fervor and the uh, effort that you put forth in order to represent us there in Tallahassee. Thank you so much for taking the time today to be on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Well, this is the final week. Looks like it's going to be extended a couple of days for Kathleen, but uh, all with the idea of having a great outcome, which is unlike the federal government, having a balanced budget, having the income to come in to take care of the the uh, expenses of the state. That doesn't happen in many places, and I'm happy it happens here in Florida. Uh, state's in a lot better situation now than it was 10 years ago, thanks to uh, Governor Scott as well as our current uh, Governor DeSantis. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the initiatives of this fine organization. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Again, these are interesting times, aren't they? They really are, Boo. I mean, uh, who would believe the largest uh, drop in stock market history yesterday, 2,000 points, and the market down? It was just an unbelievable day. Hey, but good news, uh, futures are up right now. Of course, who knows what's going to happen by the end of the day. Futures are up by 1,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, so maybe it'll be a, a little bit of a turnaround today. Well, let's hope so. I'll tell you, a lot of people were uh, got gray hair in about a tw- 24-hour period. I know. Yeah. So uh, you just got my a- my attitude is uh, just you know, if you, wherever you are, don't don't try and catch a falling knife. Just stay with it. If you have a good portfolio, it was initially designed properly, you'll be okay. It's going to come yep, back. Just run it out. Just write it out. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, and I. I have to say, and maybe I've got my head in the sand, but this whole coronavirus thing, like I watched Good Morning America yesterday, and, you know, it's a very liberal TV show, Mm -hmm. new show, and I would say 90% of the two hours was about this coronavirus, Mm -hmm. and it seems to me that it is so overblown that there is such mass hysteria. You know, and I looked up the Spanish flu of 1918. Now, there was a flu you could sink your teeth into. (laughs) You know, that one, in a matter of months, it spread like wildfire, and within months, a third of the world's population was affected, and between 50 to 100 million people died. Now, that's an epidemic. That's an epidemic. This well, thing is just, I mean, people are so wacky. Yeah. Well, you know what you're pointing out, though? Something like that can occur. If it happened once, it could happen again. Now, needless to say, Well, this was before they had any antibiotics. Right. You know, this was in 1918. My goodness. Yeah. So, so you can see why it would travel. This now, I don't know, people are canceling this. They're not. They're canceling flights. They're, they've closed half a Italy, they're thinking of closing Disney World in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, baseball, uh, uh, the Boston baseball teams, hockey, all these teams basically said no more press uh, to be involved at all or uh, with the players. So they're trying to isolate as much as possible. That's probably a pretty good idea anyhow. But yeah, I, you're right. I mean, I think people are overreacting, and yet... Uh, you know, you find out the president was exposed to somebody who had coronavirus. Uh, I was just talking to Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, and she said that they closed the state house uh, and, and uh, brought in people to completely wipe down the entire place because somebody apparently had the flu coming into the uh, chamber. So uh, there is some hysteria going on. Well, you know. <laughs> You know, we just had company from Madison come. They got the flu Mm -hmm. while they were down here. They think that somebody was infected on the plane. So they got the garden variety flu. Now it took them out. I mean, they were in a 
hotel room for a week and a half solid and never left because of the flu. But you ever a lot of people get the flu, but so and that why is this coronavirus worse than the ordinary flu? I don't flu I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid and I'm not getting it, but it seems and they're turning it into this political football. Right. That's the tragedy of it, is that uh, it's being weaponized. And yes. People are, are trying to, and I'm talking about the mainstream media and Democrats, are trying to use demonstrate that President Trump is incapable of handling a crisis like this. <laughs> I think his response has been very measured and appropriate, quite frankly. I mean, I've, a lot of people say, why hasn't he closed all the airports? Why is he still allowing flights to come into the United States from places other than China? Well, you know, you can't just close down the country because of fear. You have to have some data to base your decisions on, and right now we don't have all the data that we need. No, it's... Um uh, and they're going to turn it, try to turn it into. That shows you how desperate the uh, Democrats are. Yeah, it does. It certainly. Speaking of who, if you were Joe Biden, who would you pick as a running mate? That's a great question. Uh, the, I think he's he's saying Kamala Harris. He suggested could become his attorney general. Can you, God help us? Can you imagine? That? No. Uh, I, I you know I just who do you think? I don't judge Judy. I don't know. Yeah. Is Judge Judy Judge Judy a Democrat? I suppose she is, huh? Oh yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I had heard that Bernie Sanders was thinking of picking her. I mean, I think that's just far fetched, but it is entertaining. It is entertaining, is indeed. Well, this is a mini Super Tuesday. We've got a number of states going to the polls today. I think it's uh, like Idaho and uh, state of Washington, if I'm not mistaken. A uh, number of states will be voting, and oh, Michigan! This is a big deal. That's where the, most of the uh, most of the vi- votes are in Michigan. So today, let's see: Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Washington, Idaho, Michigan. They're all going to they'll account for about 352 nominating delegates to the Democrat National Convention. So this is at at the end of today, and now especially. If Biden wins Michigan, it could be a tough sledding for uh, Bernie Sanders. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I don't either. Did you no. see, did you see him on the uh, town hall or whatever it was last night on Fox? No. Hey, well, he got up there and and he he is extremely articulate about what he believes in. What he believes in is, I think, it's totally insane. But he justified to the people there i would say that all the people there were progressives were bernie sanders supporters but uh, you know he tried to justify one payer system for health care centralizing all the health care he talked about paying for education college education included for everybody in public and public uh, colleges and schools he uh, tried justified uh, i mean t- all these programs are going to you know what happens? It doesn't bring up some people to from the bottom. It brings everybody down from the top to the bottom is what happens. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you can promise anything. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, that's why I think the Democrats have kind of the easier sled uh, to push because uh, what they promise is they're going to give you stuff. Vote for me, and we're going to give you stuff. Government's going to take care of you and all of your problems. 
Yep, the, and you get a free cell phone, too. A free cell phone, and Republicans' basic message is uh, we, we're going to uh, protect your freedom, give you the opportunity to go out and uh, start a business, make money, but be, have free speech, all these things that are so important to from the Constitution. But it's, it's, a, uh, it's an abstract concept rather than free stuff, and that's why the messaging is more difficult. Yes, one gives you the um, uh, ability and the freedom to go out and work yeah. and to create any kind of a job and future that you want, and the other one is more entitlement programs. Indeed, but it looks like uh, it looks like the party is coalescing around Joe Biden. I think uh, most of the, the all of a sudden these candidates dropped out of the uh, race, yeah. And uh, Buttigieg and the others, and I'm thinking they were basically got a call from the party, probably Tom Perez or whoever it was, and said, you know what, uh, we need to do something here. We need to get Trump out of the White House. Best way to do that is with Joe Biden. We need your support. There's something in it for you down the road. We're not exactly sure what it is, but please drop uh-huh. out, don't you think? And, and you know, and Joe Biden is the perfect lapdog for the Democrat Party. I mean, he'll basically cooperate and do whatever they say. He doesn't even remember where he is. <laughs> so as long as they can... scary. You know, as long as he can keep a pulse, I'm sure they're very happy with Joe Biden being the president, no matter what he says or does. Yeah, and I think so. I think he's the most appealing candidate. Yeah. I mean... That's the only horse they're riding right now. Yeah, uh, I agree. Well, and if Bernie Sanders got the nomination, it's not only uh, either one is going to lose the presidency, but I think they're thinking also is that the down-ticket candidates will be do better under uh, Joe Biden than uh, Bernie Sanders. Yes, yes, I think so. Amazing. I think so. It's... it's um. You know, sometimes you think, God, that we can't get any stranger, and by God, sometimes it gets stranger. It does indeed, Boo. So are you uh, thinking about canceling events, not going to events? Uh, uh, no, no, and no. Yesterday, I went to a this Nick Lynn book club, which supports all of Collier County libraries, mm-hmm. and it was at the Ritz at Tiburon. There were 800 people there. Wow. Nobody gave it a second thought. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way to do it. And yet I'm getting messaging. In fact, uh, there's an event coming up on March 23rd by the Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida. They're going to have a very special event for Bill Barnett, our mayor, and hopefully will continue to be mayor after the election on Tuesday. But uh, the message was, hey, we're canceling the event. We're going to put it off for six months. Well, (coughs) I... I guess I just don't agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I I think, have the event. I mean, if some people don't want to go because they're fearful, that's fine. Yeah. But I think the majority of people show, still show up. Yesterday they had, they probably even had more than 800 people there. Amazing. Boom Mortensen, we never know what we're going to so talk about. stay the course. Stay the course. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks for joining us. You bet. My pleasure. All right. Have a good day. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, uh, we have Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Seton. Hey, good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Seton? Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. So, uh, Seton, uh, I want to talk to you about your latest column about Karl Marx and Mar- Groucho <laughs> Marx. But before I do, I thought I'd just check in with you about the uh, what's going on in the economy, the financial markets, the coronavirus. Any commentary or thoughts? Well, I think we're going to find that this is overblown, the coronavirus. I don't even think yesterday's stock market thing was a coronavirus-related event. There's no new news on the coronavirus front that caused the collapse. The collapse was, you know, the Saudi Arabian uh, king declaring war, crown prince declaring war, oil war on Russia. Yeah. That was the, that was the crash. Uh, was everybody was reacting to the fact that Saudi's going to kick up their oil production, um, Russia's going to kick up their oil production, because remember, Russia, the pro- uh, Russia supports Iran, right? And so this is a proxy fight for the Saudis taking on the Iranians. So uh, that's, that's, to me, that was the stock market, not not the coronavirus. Well, um, you know, this is kind of interesting because one of the things I'm not hearing any reporting on is that in Iran. Uh, apparently, officials, top officials in Iran, have gotten the coronavirus, and it is the populace is is uh, very unhappy with what's going on right now. Leads me to believe that there could be not only just unrest, but actually an attempt to overthrow the government there. Uh, they're they're definitely weakened. Remember, a couple weeks ago, the the health official, I think it was a health official, one of the 
lead officials in Iran came out to announce to talk about the coronavirus coughing, and then he announced that he had it and then he died. Yeah. So they're having real problems there with it. Um, again, first world countries like ours do better with things like this than, than third world countries like theirs. Um, so they're having a problem there. They've got they've got the pressure of Trump's Trump's uh, sanctions on them are really hurting them. Then they add the coronavirus to the mix, just like China. We're seeing that with China, yeah, where the the, the, the trade war was hurting them badly. And then you add in this coronavirus, you know, shutting down whole, you know, provinces of the country, and you're going to have a lot of problems. And they're having it in China, and they're having it in Iran. Yeah, and well, the futures right now are up about a thousand uh, going into trading today. But who knows how the day is going to end up because the volatility is just so pronounced, it is unbelievable. So uh, let's talk about your column, Karl Marx and Groucho Marx: The Left Perpetual Parallel Universe. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, you've you seen a lot of it just during the Trump administration. You know, the, the, the reason I mentioned Groucho Marx is in their old 1933 movie, The Marx Brothers, uh, Duck Soup, uh, Groucho's caught in a very, very obvious lie. And, and his response is, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? Yeah. And <laughs> that's what the left does all the time. We were told for three years, that Trump colluded with Russia to win the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. Even though we saw that the only quote-unquote evidence they had was paid for by Hillary Clinton and was totally made up and made no sense whatsoever. And then we continued to learn throughout the process that not only did he not conclude with Russia, it was an attempt by current and former government officials to attempt a coup against Trump. Right. And... All along, the media is pretending that this thing is serious and real and that he should be impeached and removed for office based on something that anybody that paid any attention at all knew was an outright lie. Then you go to coronavirus, where everybody's freaking out and they're telling us it's terrible. Oh, and they're talking to, you know, first of all, they come out and say this is an opportunity for Democrats, which is a complete politicization of something. Right. Then they come out and say Trump's handling this horribly. And then we're reminded. That in 2009, with the H1N1 virus, Obama didn't even declare a national emergency until a thousand people had died in the United States. Yep. We're, I think we're at 25 now in the United States. And then you add in the fact that Trump immediately banned flights from Russia, and Chuck Schumer tweets and says this is xenophobic and anti-Chinese and, and, and anti-immigrant. And then he has to delete the tweet because, of course, that was the correct thing to do, yeah, with yeah. and he did it. He did it at the end of January. So, you know, all these things happen, and, and, and we, the average person says, well, yeah, banning flights from China makes sense. And then you have the zeitgeist go nuts and say it's racist and xenophobic and shouldn't be done. And the average person's going, well, yeah, it should be done. That's just obviously common sense. And it happens on every policy on the planet. You know, we were told that Trump repealing net neutrality at the end of the Internet as we know it, and even though they only had net neutrality for a year and we had no net neutrality for a quarter century, and so that would be the Internet we know is the one without net neutrality. And they said speeds would go down without net neutrality and speeds went up, and they said investment would go down with net neutrality and without net neutrality and investments went up. And then I just saw an article on, uh, you know, on, on over the weekend or last week saying the exact same stupid talking points about net neutrality that they always say. 
And it, it's not. It's like the last two years after repeal of net neutrality didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, you know, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? Or your lying eyes. You know, and, and of course, uh, the the legislation, more legislation, the Democrat problem uh, party is the solution. The question is, what's the problem? There is no problem with the, with the Internet. In fact, it's so robust well, now. It's, it's, it's grown bigger, faster, better than anything in the history of humanity. Nothing's grown more. And, of course, I think the root of all that was in 1996 when the Internet was in the mid-90s, you know, credit where it's due, Bill Clinton signed a bill, uh, or I think it was a bill from the Republican Congress, that basically privatized the Internet, because at the time it was a DOD DARPA thing, yep. Department of Defense thing, yep. and they just privatized it. And then in the 96 Telecommunications Act, they said it's new, we're going to leave it alone, we're going to call it a Title One, which is a classification, it's information uh, information regulation, which is very lightly regulated, and because they made the decision 25 years, 24 years ago, to go with light regulation, this thing exploded. It was brand new, so of course it had, you know, it's like China's economy. It had infinite room to grow because it was going from nowhere. Yeah. And it just exploded and exploded and exploded, and all along the way the left realized, oh my goodness, we don't have a regulatory hook in this. We don't have a government hook in this to reel it back in. Right. Thus was born in 2002 this myth called net neutrality, and we've been stuck with it ever since. Yeah, you know, I, I quoted Arthur Laffer uh, earlier in the show, the, of course, the supply-side uh, guy, who his voice has been so important during the Reagan administration. Well, one of his court quotes to Congress is, don't just stand there, undo something. <laughs> which right. which is great. I mean, that's exactly getting rid of the regulations. Uh, we do need some regulation, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, I read uh, uh, Sidney Powell's book uh, on. Uh, uh, it's called the the Conviction Machine. It's coming out next week. It's just unbelievable. But she said there's over five thousand rules and regulations on the books, and that any citizen. So they said they can uh, right now. Prosecutors could convict a ham sandwich. Nobody is, uh, anybody could be prosecuted right now. I mean, right now the law is so screwed up. We need to, I'm sorry I'm off on a tangent here, not necessarily in your wheelhouse. No, no, there's, I, think the, I think the number is for every one time someone goes to court for breaking a law, they go ten times for breaking a regulation. Yeah. Well, how about this quote? She, she, said, she said that one-third... One-third of all uh, citizens, American citizens over the age of 18, one-third of them have been convicted of a crime. That's yeah, absurd. That's... Seton, are you there? It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the over-criminalization, and again, it's, a, it's, the, the, it's, it's to control you. It's to control your wallet. Um, I, I laugh because I speed all the time, I admit it, and... What's funny is, you know, I, I got my license suspended once. Mine was almost suspended again when I moved from Virginia to Maryland. And then they, I, I, I was wondering, and then they finally did it. They went to the speed cameras. And the speed cameras don't assess points. Because I was wondering, 
why are you going to suspend my license? I'm a cash cow. Why wouldn't you want to keep me on the road? <laughs> yeah. And that's what they do now. They don't give you points. They just want your money when you get caught. That's, that's, that's so, a pretty good. So so back to uh, uh, what are you going to believe, uh, me or your blind eyes? Me yeah, the great quote indeed. Uh, and uh, right now, we just need the government to stay out of the internet. And I think that was the point of your column, was it not? Yeah, it's the point. It's the point of don't you know? Don't listen to the. It's you know, uh, Candace Owens had a good line. The, the left is now a doomsday cult, and you know the the, the, the I, I I posted just some of the headlines in the piece of what was of the doom that was going to come when when Trump undid net neutrality. And, of course, two years later, nothing nothing of this sort happened. In fact, things got better as yeah. a result of, uh, of doing that. And so, you know, I think, there, I think we have a doomsday cult with regard to the coronavirus. I think we have a doomsday cult with regard to, you know, Trump, Russia. That was a complete farce and nonsense. And we got it with net neutrality. There's nothing wrong with the Internet. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. You know, elect me, say the the progressives, we're going to give you stuff. And by the way, we're going to raise your taxes. We're going to centralize planning and, uh, you know, (laughs) basically take away your freedom. But don't worry about it. You'll be you won't have as many problems as you have right now. Unbelievable. So again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Visit lessgovernment.org or visit uh, Less Government on the Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. The Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida celebrates its 10th year anniversary. Join us at Naples Hilton on March 23rd for an evening among fabulous, like-minded supporters, friends, and fans of local Jewish history. Enjoy great food and entertainment, including the premiere of a new documentary from the Society's original Southwest Florida Jewish Pioneers film series, Mayor with a Heart, about Naples' very own four-time mayor, Honorable Bill Barnett. Proceeds of the evening will directly benefit the Virtual Museum of Southwest Florida Jewish History. For inquiries, tickets to advertise, sponsor, or underwrite the event, email office at jhsswf.org or call 833-547-7935. That's 833-JHSSWFL. We'll see you there. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It is a moral imperative, and uh, just that's just one of the initiatives at the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you check it out at thefga.org, thefga.org. By the way, the commercial that just paid about the Jewish Historical Society of Southwest Florida, uh, that event that it was promoting has been canceled or delayed, I should say, for six months. But I must say that uh, Marina Berkovich and her husband, have done a great job at that organization, and uh, I just admire her so much, she and her husband. She was raised in Soviet Russia uh, as a communist in a communist society, and she tells the story, my life through my dresses, she tells her story, uh, and uh, it's just uh, so oppressive, especially being a Jew in the... uh, in uh, Soviet Russia was difficult. So she came here. She now experiences the freedom that she has here in the United States. And I th- it says also speaks out against the, the threat of socialism, centralized planning, and government. What happens? Uh, what happened in Soviet Russia could happen here. If we're not vigilant, don't pay attention to what's going on. So, of course, with this coronavirus uh, coming up, we, uh, you know, hear calls for President Trump to cancel his rallies. President should cancel his rallies, of course, coming from the Democrat Party. Well, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. And I watched uh, the town hall, Bernie Sanders on Fox last night. I watched a portion of it. And, uh, you know, there were, well, I would say at least 100, a couple hundred people there who supported uh, Bernie Sanders. So I think that might be a little over the top to cancel the uh, rallies. But the data operation that the P- Trump-Pence re-election campaign conducts at each of the president's rallies is doing more than just building a list for future fundraising and getting out the votes. His aides reveal that it's providing surprising evidence that his base is continuing to expand with the addition of Democrats, Blacks, Latinos, and non-voters. What officials saw at Trump's February 28th rally in North Charleston, uh, South Carolina, was typical of the audience at other recent campaign rallies. They told us that 16% of the attendees were black, 28.8% didn't vote in 2016, and 38.6% were Democrats or independents. Can you imagine that? Nearly 40% of the rally came, and they were Democrats or independents in Charleston. We know from data gathered from the rallies that a significant percentage of rally registrants and attendees have voted infrequently in federal elections, but they're motivated to come out to see the president, said uh, the campaign communication director's Tim Murtaugh. We know that the president's record of accomplishment on behalf of all Americans appeals to a wide swath of voters, including men and women, in all demographics, in all regions. He also speaks to the forgotten Americans whose politicians have left behind there for decades. At Trump's February 21st rally in Las Vegas, Nevada, 27% of attendees were black, Latino, or non-white, and 18% were Democrats. In several others, the crowds included sizable numbers of Democrats. In Manchester, New Hampshire, for example, on February the 10th, 25.4% of attendees were Democrats. And in Wildwood, New Jersey, on January the 28th, 26.3% were Democrats. Those are astounding numbers. And I think that's a pretty good indication of how the Trump's base is expanding, not contracting. Even with the coronavirus, I've been watching the uh, Rasmussen uh, polls, and he does a daily poll on the popularity of the president, 
hasn't budged a percent over the last week or so during this coronavirus scare. Those figures from the campaign suggest that of the 67,000 who have gotten into venues to attend Trump rallies in the past two months, about 18,500 were Democrats and independents, and many reports have shown that thousands more have been turned away from full convention halls. Reminding, just, reminding us, of course, that uh, not everybody who wants to go to the rally actually gets in. In fact, I, there was one rally where only 20,000 people could get in. There were over 70,000 requests for tickets. Amazing. The data matches campaign polling that also shows similar growth. It's definitely a big deal, said campaign pollster John McLaughlin. In a re-election, it's hard to maintain enthusiasm, but the president is increasing it exponentially, he said. Uh, Paris Denard, a Trump advocate and board member of Black Voices for Trump, noted the long lines of people who wait hours and sometimes days to get into Trump rallies. Those people, he said, are more than curious. They've been motivated to vote, and just waiting so long in lines already shows that they're motivated and committed to vote. Uh, boy, the popularity or the enthusiasm factor uh, from the voters. There's not only Trump supporters, they're also enthusiastic and excited voters. That's what we're seeing right now. Trump's also been fixated on building his base of support among blacks and feels that if support can grow from the 8% he won in 2016 to 12% or 14, he will win re-election. He regularly meets with black leaders and often promotes his success in adding jobs and reforming jail sentences. Many are curious about what we're hearing about uh, what the president is doing, Denard said. That's exactly what the president wants, he said, adding, if he's pulling in more blacks, then it's an indicator that he's also moving the needle with others. And that's certainly true. So, uh, six states vote today, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington, accounting for about 352 votes of the total of 1,991 delegates that are needed to win the Democrat nomination, and that's happening today. It's Michigan make or break for Bernie Sanders. The largest delegate count is 155 from Michigan, so Bernie Sanders needs to win that. How about the upset in Michigan? Polls on Monday showed Biden with a double-digit lead over Sanders in Michigan, eerily similar to the 25-point lead that Hillary Clinton had over Sanders the day before the 2016 Democrat primary before he won the state by 1.4%. So Michigan can be in play even though Biden has a, a major lead right now. Washington favored Sanders, but full results won't be known. Washington State could also swing either way. So this is an important uh, and key election today, key primary. The mini Tuesday primary, Super Tuesday primary, uh, will be happening today. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow. Always enjoy having Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, on the show. We'll be talking about uh, a number of issues, uh, social issues involved in the law. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, former professor, or he is a professor, I should say, at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz, a great read, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, uh, will be joining us as well. Uh, Larry has uh, written several books. His latest is, uh, you know what, I don't have it right here in front of me, but it's uh, his seventh book, and I encourage you to go to uh, Newsmax.com. Just check, do a search on Larry Bell, Professor Larry Bell. His column is on point, and you'll find information about, about his books. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. 
bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.